Hello and welcome to the Record Celtic Podcast. I'm Jamie Flynn of the 20 Minute Tims Celtic Podcast and I'm joined today by Daily Record Sports writer Tony Haggerty. On the podcast today, we look at the case for the defence, why were no defenders brought in in the transfer window. We look at the summer transfer business as a whole. We look at this mysterious transfer for Paddy Roberts for £8 million and we look at the other talent that Celtic have brought in. Did the failure of Virgil van Dijk's transfer to Liverpool affect anything and do we think Brendan Rodgers is happy with the deals? So Tony, I suppose the first question is, do you think Celtic should have brought in a defender? I hesitate to use this word, but I think I'm all Celtic supporters today will wake up feeling slightly cheated mm. they didn't bring in a defender. And cheat's a strong word, but they'll feel, they'll feel miffed, bitterly disappointed, I think, that they should have brought in a defender. Why they didn't, then only the management team and Peter Law can answer that. Aye, I mean, as a Celtic fan, I'm I'm a bit annoyed that they didn't bring a defender in purely for the point of view that, that Brendan Rodgers made it clear he wanted one. Yeah, and to be fair, the, the position that they did bring in somebody in with, with Osdon and Edouard coming in was the position that they're well stopped mm. for, you know. And from middle to front, Celtic seemed to be functioning because the problem is scoring goals. The problem is keeping them out, yeah. as you saw in Astana. We seem to have two players, as you say, for every position and Brendan Rodgers thinks that needs to be key. But when you look at the centre-back positions, you've got two first-choice centre-backs in Boyata and Jozo. You've got Sviatchenko, who Brendan doesn't seem to rate. You've got Bitton, who's a midfielder come defender, and you've got Ayer as a midfielder come defender. And those guys are the only two that are fit. And it's a worry going into the Champions League. Well, you saw for that 20-minute crazy period in Astana, and let's be honest... They're a bang average Azerbaijan team, as you saw Celtic did to them in the first leg. So he knows, Brendan Rodgers knew that they needed a central defender, made it a priority, they didn't come across. So in your opinion, had had Brendan Rodgers been to Peter Law and identified that as an area for, for certain? He must have been to Peter Law and identified that as, a, as an area for certain because just watching on, you would have massive, massive concerns. So... I suppose the easy question is, well, why did it not happen? Well, why do you think it didn't happen? You can't say the money wasn't there. No? Because the money is there and the money that they're going to get coming in, so you can speculate to accumulate on that front. I think a lot of Celtic fans would be concerned that they, they didn't even try to get even a stopgap defender, you know, someone who could cover them for the, yeah. the period of the Champions League. Just, you know, an, an older person, maybe a contract or a, an older experienced guy, maybe not getting a game. And if the scouting network's is, is sound as it's meant to be then surely they should be able to identify somebody well we identified Rivaldo but I mean he was the league he was coming from the level he was playing at he was nowhere near the finished article so and when that fails I still think he couldn't have been our top choice no he couldn't have been our top choice and when, you, when your medical flags up something I just think you can't take that risk no you know a million quid or less than a million quid it doesn't really matter you just can't take that risk with someone but they must have had other Targets. I know denier was mentioned, but we put that to Celtic, and we were told that was never a that was a non-starter. It was never a goer anyway. So I don't know where that came from, but I guess people were putting two and two together mm. that he was up for grabs. What was it? Was there any whispers about the club about defenders or anyone they were looking at, or even the type of player they were looking for? And then there was another name, was the boy from Bristol City, mm. was mentioned as well. But certainly there was no nothing concrete, nothing, nothing that made me suggest that these were. Legitimate targets. I know. think I think not bringing another defender has to be identified as a failure in this Champions League um, in the in this tram- transfer window. You can't you can't leave things like that to chance. If Brendan Rodgers says my goal here is to be in Europe past Christmas, 
you need the board need to help the guy do that. They'll, they'll find that out on the twenty eighth or the twenty ninth of September, whatever day after they played Anderlecht away. Because if they have another twenty minutes like they did in Azerbaijan, then that dream will be up in the air. Yeah. Two games into your Champions League campaign, and you'll find out if the failure to bring in any kind of defence central defender will come back and haunt you. And I think that's what the worry is for Celtic supporters at the moment. Time. I mean, it's not an overall negative for the transfer window because there were some good signings brought in. But I just think, you know, if Celtic were only to bring in one position, if we only brought in one player, you'd want it to be a centre half. You canvas every Celtic supporter in that stadium; they would have said a central defender. Because as much as Brendan seems to think Beaton does a good job at centre half, the Celtic supporters don't. No. You know, he, he, he's seen something different. Again, another uh, square peg in a round hole, which they don't need, because the club are supposedly cash rich. So why didn't they go out? Why didn't they identify somebody? Maybe they did. And I want to be known that he didn't want to come or whatever. But the fans, the fans definitely want an answer to this question. Yeah, and and it's not like they didn't have time. You know, they've had a year to identify a centre half that that could come in and fill in. But they've also known from the start of the Champions League qualifying campaign that the two central defenders have been cropped mm. and there's been kind of deadline after deadline has came and gone and then the f- and I think all the Celtic supporters went the final deadline won't come and go without them bringing mm. in a, a central defender I suppose the, the defence of the defence might say well you know we didn't have we had this, we've got the same squad and defence more or less as we had last year we didn't have a centre half going into the difficult part which is getting into the Champions League so we're in the Champions League now in a couple of weeks, we'll have Joe's own boy out of fit. So, what are you moaning for? In a couple of weeks' time, you'll be facing a potential strike force that's worth, what is it, 350 million or something like that? You know, and you're taking a massive risk with one defender who might not be as fit as he should be. Again, to play devil's advocate, you know, if Peter Lowell's sitting here or Brendan Rodgers, he might say, there is nobody we could go out and buy that would mitigate. Of, of of a significant quality to mitigate what we're coming up against again in PSG. Of course, that, 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 and that's a that's a valid point. But you would want to go out there with at least a fighting chance with a strong eleven, and not someone who might be on their way back and and nursing their way back to full fitness against what is potentially a lethal strike uh, force. You, you know, you want to be. I think the board and the supporters want to see. A manager who's ambitious, and we've got one in that. And you want to see a board backing a manager who's ambitious. And when there's the slightest disconnect there, when Brendan Rodgers says, "I need a centre half," and the board can't supply him with one, you know, the fans always get Celtic fans traditionally always get frustrated with the board. People always just always a shade away from total destructive criticism, and it's always just things like this that Celtic fans. Uh, do you know what? I, I don't think you, you you can really lay into Celtic or the board at this particular time. They, they identified a hole in the team at the moment which is central defence they didn't bring in a player but if you're asking I don't think you can question either Law or Brendan Rodgers' judgement so far No. so if you're if you're going by that then you have to trust them and I think they, I think everybody well, majority of Celtic fans will trust them on this one but they are wary because yeah. they they they, they tantamount to being promised something which wasn't delivered you know and I think that's that's the disappointment I mentioned the word cheated but cheated is really strong That that's the kind of extreme of that spectrum mm. but they'll feel bitterly bitterly disappointed because they're worried that 
There's a gaping hole there. I, I think, aye, as a Celtic fan, I'm disappointed that we didn't bring in a defender. But when we look at the, the, the transfer business as a whole, I'm, I'm, I'm quite pleased. I'm quite pleased with the players that went out. And I'm especially pleased with you know bringing in a Cham. I think Cham has looked like the player since he came in at Celtic. Thought they'd signed four million worth of talent. Very, very good. Great potential. And I would liken him to uh, a Victor Wanyama type. He's strong. He's powerful. But the one thing he has got over Victor Wanyama, in my opinion, is he, he's a better distributor of the mm-hmm. ball. When, when Wanyama left to go to Southampton, he was very raw. But he was a, a raw, powerful ingredient. I think in Sham is, is better than raw at this moment in time. I'd agree. And I think with putting in Cham in the team, the starting lineups improved. And I think... You know that old football manager cliche. They always say you want to leave the window stronger than you went into it. And I think you know overall Celtic have done that. Another player that we we brought in on, on a loan was was Paddy Roberts. Now you're sort of in and about the club. I've got you know you can say what you like. I'm suspicious that this eight million offer has surfaced and it, City didn't accept. Is it, did that happen or did it not happen? I, I think there's a, an element of smoking mirrors here, and maybe Peter Lawless wanted that out there too. To look, we tried. tried mm. You know, I I think the player himself still thinks and believes that he can make it at Man City, and I think Pep Guardiola thinks there's a possible chance. You know, so I think the, another long-term loan deal suited both. You know, Celtic may have tried very hard to get him in a permanent deal, but they'll be in the same boat this time next year. Yeah, and who's to say that Roberts might just turn around and say you know what I fancy it I want a long term deal can I leave you know so I I, I don't see I, I think this moment in time it, it's something that suits both parties I'd, I'd agree with you I think Roberts is a, a, an absolutely terrific player and I'm really happy that we've got him back again for a second year and t- to be honest from my point of view it doesn't really make any difference if it's a loan or a signing because you know, well, when we when we sell these guys, we're not spending the money anyway. Is is one argument, and the second part is all you want is a quality squad, and that's two and a half years, and that's about the length of time players stay at Celtic now. And let's be honest, if uh, Roberts did sign a permanent deal and he came and did what he did last season, he would be away again. Aye, you know, so it, it would be the subject of of probably bids again. So as you say, these guys have a shelf life. If you get two to two and a half years out of them, I think I think Celtic have done very well. I mean, I suppose the argument could be made that they've already outlaid money on him for, for however much his loan cost. You know, that, that probably easily would have been a million a season, potentially. But again, it just comes back to, the, as a Celtic fan, as long as the club's doing well, the, the individual fees of players don't bother me. He's on loan, so we can just pretend we bought him for £8 million and sold him for £8 million and and we got him for that period of time. And, and I think every Celtic supporter wanted Patrick Rovers back. You know, it was long and it was protracted, but... I think in the end, I think they all knew he was coming back because I think the player wanted to come back and have another crack. It's good to see, from a supporter's point of view, it's good to see a, a player like Paddy Roberts actively wanting to come to Celtic. You know, not, oh, well, I'll see how my options are, we'll leave it to the window. You know, you could. T- this guy wants to come and play for Celtic, so I, come on in. I'll tell you something else, but it can't be underestimated. One, Kieran Tierney, who bombarded them every day, <laughs> and, and also the Celtic supporters who bombarded them every day. And... I got friendly with his father and I remember saying to him I was sitting right behind him at the Scottish Cup final mm. and he turned to me and he said this makes the journey from uh, you know, Hackney Marshes and playing in front of one man and a dog to this 
And I said to him, do yourself a favour, drink this in. I says, and be careful what you do next season. I says, because there's not many clubs that will, have, will afford Paddy this kind of adulation. And he just kind of, and he looked at me and he was like, yeah, you're right. I said, you won't so, get So you're responsible? No, I'm not saying I'm responsible <laughs> in any shape or form, but I remember the conversation because he was sitting behind and us at the press conference and, and I turned around and, and I gave him a hug and he went, I told you I would do the right thing. So and I burst out laughing. <laughs> so you think that's legit then? Do you think that the fans definitely played a big part? I, I think they had some kind of bearing on it because if you're waking up, I mean, he admitted himself that his Twitter feed went into meltdown. Mm. You know, and guys doing crazy things, I'll get tattoos. There was even the one... With a granny in a cage or something, the guy wasn't <laughs> going to let his granny in a cage till he signed, and and that's comedic, and that but that makes you feel loved and wanted. Yeah. Whereas he's at City, and is it going to work for me? Is it going to do, do they rape me? Do they not? And and I think it it would play in your mind. And and again, he, he, and he formed a great friendship with Tierney. There's a there's a lot to be said for that. It's even a player's happy. It doesn't matter who they're playing for. You, you can't buy. You can't put a price in personal happiness as a footballer. I I agree. I agree. Do you think? Any of the outgoings that left Celtic, do you think Celtic made any mistakes in anyone that they let go? I don't think so. I think, uh, I've got to be honest, I think Brendan Rodgers is very tunnel visioned in that. And he obviously knew who he wanted shipped out the door. Mm. You know, because one, they probably didn't have a future and he didn't see them getting into this team at this particular moment in time. Celtic is a functioning team, you know, and he's very much a horses for courses manager. And he knows what he wants and he knows the players that he wants to play this the system and style information that he does. So if you're not part of that, then as much as that's hard to accept, you, you have to go and blossom elsewhere. And, and, and the one thing you won't do is stand in your way of doing that. But he, he'll be honest and say, up front and say, look, your future lies elsewhere, not Celtic. Yeah, I think somewhere in the region of 27 players went out and I think that's what we've needed for a long time because the squad was quite bloated. And now we've got a situation where, you know, apart from central defence that we spoke about, you know, Fincham drops out, You've got Short Armstrong there. You've got Rodgers and McGregor playing for places. You've got players dotted all over the pitch where there's good backup in each area. You've got real healthy competition for places in that Celtic team with good operators. Uh, you know, either guys that are waiting in the wings that are, are still players would be automatic first team picks elsewhere. Hmm. You know, so, and, and, and I think that's what he wanted. He wanted a tight, what was it, 20 to 24 or something, yeah. he said. Something like that, which, which works as long as you can keep them all fit. Again, goes back to the whole in central defence. Mm. You know, what do you think? What do you think about this this Stuart Armstrong thing? Because one, he signed that contract and it wasn't very long, so we've just sort of kicked the can down the road a wee bit there. Um, and secondly, he's kind of losing out to Cham now, so you know, he shot himself in the foot a wee bit. Do you think? I, I, I think Stuart Armstrong will, will find that the grass isn't always greener. Mm. You know, if he wants to go and see if he can command a, a place in the English Premier League. Then this time next this time next year, then he, he probably will, you know. I I, I know Brendan Rodgers had that pop at his advisors, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, and and kind of called them out, which and and barely twenty four hours after he did that, he pressed he signed the contract, you know. But I think Armstrong is one of these guys who is maybe not in it for the long haul. And my only question to Stuart Armstrong is, if you're not in it for the long haul under a manager like Brendan Rodgers, then you know, if you don't want to go along for this whole magic carpet ride in Celtic's history at the moment, then what would make you happy? What when yeah. would you kinda stick it in for the long haul? Well, I do the blog for you guys in the Daily Record and I sort of wrote that a couple of weeks ago that, you know, putting it bluntly, 
Stuart Armstrong needs Celtic more than Celtic needs Stuart Armstrong and I think he's a wee bit shy of Premier League quality at the moment I, I think so too I would totally agree with that well if he goes to the Premier League he would be going to a Stoke Mm. Or, or a team of that ilk. I don't in, think he would get in the Stoke side. Well, I mean, I'm not putting Sean Armstrong down. Yeah. He's a, I like him. I like no, him as a player. And I think he's done well for us. I, but I think he's got fantastic potential as a player. And I, and I go back to it. And I think he's a kind of player that Brendan Rodgers likes because he will improve them. Hmm. And he always says, he always says to his players, "Stay with me. I'll improve you, and then you can go with my blessing." You know. And but whatever whatever has been said to Stuart Armstrong, his head seems to have been in some kind of direction and he's very non-committal about committing himself to a, a bigger future of himself to i.e. three or four years so if he sees himself down south in a year's time then so be it he, he, will, he will take that route I think that the, the strangest signing for me for the transfer window and it's not particularly strange but um, was, was Johnny Hayes I just don't really see now that Roberts is back where he fits in do you think that was because they didn't know they were getting Roberts for sure or I, I, there may be an element of that to it as well and I, and I also think that they thought James Forrest had gone off the boil towards the end of last season mm. uh, but he started this season with a flourish and a bang you know and yeah. and, uh, and I, I think Johnny Hayes has been unfortunate that he probably thought he could come in and command Forrest's place but again it's the healthy competition of players there's somewhere in the wings it, it's given Forrest who was maybe lethargic towards it maybe tired as well or whatever but it's given him a G up because he started to produce again, you know, and possibly what you've just said that maybe they didn't think they were getting Roberts, but it didn't stop their pursuit of Roberts. Mm-hmm. So they maybe thought, well, at least if we have someone there, then that's fine. But And I know he was a subject of supposed incest from Cardiff. I mm-hmm. don't know how concrete that was. He, he that's said a strange he was, one. He was on Irish international duty and he, and he said he knew nothing about it. But uh, it will be interesting to see if he does get offloaded. Uh, by the end of the season be a, be a shame for Johnny personally but if you can't command a game then as you've seen with the 27 players that have already been cut adrift then you might fall into that category I, I think overall I'm, I'm very happy with the squad or we've got a squad capable of, of doing what we need to do in Europe obviously a wee bit disappointed that we didn't bring in a centre half but to be perfectly honest with Boyata and Jozo fit I, I don't think we need one and that's the key keeping those guys fit how do you think Celtic have, like, how do you think Celtic have performed on the run up to the Champions League? I think they did the job, didn't they? Mm. With the exception of one game and the home game against Astana, they, they were clinical that night, you know. For once, you saw a Scottish team take all their chances, because I think they had, what, three shots or two shots at goal mm. and scored five goals. <laughs> some, some remarkable statistic like that, but for once, they were quite clinical and, and, and finished the tie up. Or a bit, and they, they still scored eight over two legs, so that, that tells its own story. But I, I spoke to Alan Stubbs during the week, and he said from middle to front, Celtic were a Champions League ready team, mm. and, I, and I agree with that sentiment at the back of the pack, just causes you concern. But what I will say to that is, Celtic beat Barcelona with that defence that comprised of Effie Ambrose, exactly. Adam Matthews, Kelvin Wilson, and who else? Well, those three guys were in as well. <laughs> can't remember. It might have been Lustig that was the other one, yeah? I think so, yeah. So, you know, there is nothing to say that Celtic can't do something against PSG or Bayern at home, but if you're a Celtic supporter, you're gravely concerned about who's going to play in the central defence. I, I mean, I, but I agree with you that 
these guys are fit and nice. they don't need a central defender. I don't know if I'm, I'd, I'd say I'm particularly, I'm personally gravely concerned. I just want the guys to be fit. I happen to think that Jozo is a, is a Champions League ready defender. I really rate that guy. I think he's he's a he's a quality centre-half. Oh, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I think he's, he's very much the part, but I, my concern with him is that he seems to play once and then... You know, as I called it, the Gary Gillespie, you know, one and in, nine out. He's a bit like, he's a bit like, he reminds me a bit like Ledley King. Remember, Ledley yeah. King didn't really train and just turned up yeah. to play. And, and that guy, and so did uh, Manchester United legend Paul McGrath, you know. Uh, and, and if that's if that's the way you have to treat someone, then by all means, it's, but he has to perform. He has to. And he usually does. So. He usually does. The Champions League, I'm just going to, I'm just going to lay it out here. I think second's achievable for us. I, I think it's a tall, tall, tall order, but I, I give you Celtic's history in the past at Celtic Park, playing against all the a lot of the big hitters mm-hmm. who've left for a tail between their legs and, and, and nothing to show for it. There's just something about those nights that do something to that team and the support and extraordinary things can and sometimes do happen. They do. You know, we always sort of perform well in our in our home games. I, th- I don't think we'll get much off PSG. I'd expect his Touchwood to beat Anderlecht. I'd expect his potentially, you know, Anderlecht away is a, is a winnable game. Not, it's not a stick on, but it's a winnable game. Um, and I think Bayern at home, you know, Bayern, in my opinion, you know, this might sound nuts, but I'm a Celtic fan and I'm always going to get these things optimistic. I think Bayern are a bit on the slide. They're certainly not the Bayern of a, of a couple of years ago. Listen, I think it's a cracking draw. Uh, you go in there, you take centre stage, and you go and mix it with real heavyweights of European football you know we're exceptional and they're like per, per se but uh, if you can get third place and still be in the Europa League then there's a chance you can go further than that if you get second place then they'll, they'll carry Brendan's shoulder high yeah. uh, down London Road if, if they manage to do that from that group uh, is it achievable? well anything's achievable you know and you just wouldn't write Celtic off on a Champions League night at home Away, they're completely different. Uh, yeah, and I think you know, away European games are a nightmare for for almost every team because for every team that Celtic does well against in a home tie, that's an away tie for that team. You know, so away yeah. ties are typically tricky. And the last time they travelled away to Anderlecht, they lost against ten men, if memory serves. Aye, I think. you know, so you know, you know and I know it's not the same team and it's a different, but. You know, these things, there's all these quirks and these things come into play and, you know, you, you just... Celtic on the road in the Champions League tradition have not fared well. well at home, you back them against anybody as, 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 as the most optimistic <laughs> man like yourself is and are. So, uh, which is fine because you, you trust them to do their job. You, you just hope that the personnel is there and they're fit. I mean, they'll certainly be, they'll certainly be ready, the, the rest of them, but... You just hope that the central defence is sorted by then. We we touched a wee bit earlier on on, on PSG. You know that, that's a that's a team in our group that you know the way they are spending money at the moment. They're almost a, a team backed by the wealth of an entire country. And speaking of which, they could apparently they could buy every single Scottish football team. I read something that they're upsetting this 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 wave of of Qatari money is upsetting the Spanish football so much that. With, with all their inbuilt buyout clauses, they could buy the entirety of the Atletico Madrid team if they wanted and nothing could stop them. To, to go all Jamie Carragher here, that's obscene that is, isn't it? You know, it's, it's just, uh, 
how how are you meant to compete against something like that? You know, but the fate of the draw has told you that you must. Yeah. You know, and those two signings alone, Neymar and Mbappe, what two hundred million, and then next year a possible what hundred sixty eight million. I mean, three hundred sixty eight million pounds for two footballers. Aye. I mean, you know, but again, I I I look at it. When are you going to get the chance to see these guys in the flesh in your country and putting their wits against, you know, a, a Scottish team? But you have to embrace it, embrace the moment. Yeah, well, you certainly do. And I, I mean, again, fully Celtic fan here, but you don't necessarily fear anyone at Celtic Park because this is, you know, the Barcelona team, as you say, the night that we keep going back to, the Barcelona team we beat, they were the best football team in the world at, at, at that time. Mm-hmm. And everything went right. It, at the end of the day, no matter what happens, there's still 90 minutes of football to be played. And even if you're a £155 million player, you can have an off night. And I also think if you're a football connoisseur and you enjoy the Champions League, go and enjoy watching these guys as well. Yourself is different because you're an out-and-out Celtic supporter mm. and you'll be watching one team. But do you actually go and watch these technicians play? It's, it's a joy. You know, people still talk about the 1960 European Cup final yeah. when Real Madrid played them 6 Frankfurt, you know, which is just... 20 minutes of grainy black and white footage to you and I but see if you actually sit and watch that what, what an exhibition that is mm. and you know sometimes you've just got to turn around and go like that you know what that, that's that's the nature of the beast and the nature of competition yeah. but let's go and watch these guys these are these guys are supposedly at the top of their game yeah they're worth an obscene amount of money and there's an obscene amount of wealth behind it and it's causing all sorts of ructions in European football but they're coming to Glasgow like, you know let's, let's turn up and and go and embrace it and yep. watch it and, and applaud them if they do well you know it's because yeah there's part of you wants to see guys start their stuff you know it's like see Dan's volley at Hamden I was there you know in the Champions League final you know that ball spinning out there and you were thinking go on hit this hit this. go on and when he did it was just a, mo- it's a moment in time mm-hmm. a moment in sport and you just marvel at it and you think well I've just watched a world class player do a world class thing in my backyard you've got to enjoy that and that's exactly what the Champions League is you know it's an opportunity for us as fans to see these guys come along the most expensive players in the world and and see them do their thing and it's a chance for for the players to pit their wits up against these guys and you know know, there's a lot being made about whether Scottish football benefits from Celtic being in the Champions League and although you know other clubs might not get the masses of money that Celtic get you know there's a wider wider effect and wider benefits to this I think you need a Scottish representation at the Champions League always and at all times you know whether it's Celtic whether it's Rangers whether it's Aberdeen or whoever you, you need somebody to be flying the flag for your country because you do not want to become a country who are, are not seen as a Champions League t- yeah. uh, you know who can't produce a Champions League team you know so we, we always have to have that representation because it's the greatest show in town yeah, every Scott, season, you know. Scottish football would be nothing short of almost an irrelevance if they didn't have a if they didn't have a, a representative like Celtic in the Champions League and Celtic need to be applauded for doing what they do on a Scottish football budget. And I think a lot of clubs are now realising that that it, what Celtic are doing is bringing in some much needed finance into their coffers as well. But we need all our clubs to do well, you know. That's why it was so disappointing to see the others fall by the wayside. You, you want them all. Because it's good for the game and it shows you that from such a small country we have European competitive teams. So you, you've got to get behind them all. I, I'm fed up arguing this point that it doesn't matter if Celtic Rangers, Aberdeen, 
Hibs, Hearts, whoever, we need them all to start getting results. You I know? think there's a couple of things Scottish clubs can do, in my opinion. You know, Celtic have presented the model. Celtic have, Celtic have more or less said, here's how you run a Scottish football club, here's how you do it effectively. Another thing they need to do, and this is something that I believe the Daily Record touched on a couple of weeks ago, is they need to stop taking paltry sums for their players when clubs come calling. Yeah, I think that's a big thing. You know, you, 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 you saw a couple of clubs get full value for money. You know, Motherwell got full value, I think, for Ben Hennigan, which is great. Mm-hmm. They won't be held to ransom now. No. You know, or, or, or just because an English club comes in and says, we want your star player. You want our star player, you'll pay star money. You'll pay top dollar money that we think is, is a, a justifiable fee, you know, or, and a right fee that we're commanding for these services. If, if you want them, pay the, pay the money, you know. And I think that's a, that's a fair way to do it. And I think Motherwell had a great chance of winning in terms of guys... They, they, they shipped out but also they got money coming in from Marvin Johnson's move to Middlesbrough by the hindsight of putting in a 25% sell-on clause that's the way forward for clubs like that you know put in the sell-on clause you yeah. know it, if John McGinn leaves to go somewhere from Hibs insist on a sell-on clause you know because further down the line these guys are, are going that way so they will get a multi-million pound move especially if they go, the especially line. if they go in England. If you sell a player in England for five hundred a million pound, if his he moves again in England, you know fine well it's going to be yeah, minimum five or six. Yeah, it's going to be a, a high sum. So you insist on that, and I, I, I not so much at Celtic started it, but it's, it came out, entered the lexicon as the Van Dyke clause or whatever. You know, you're kind of like, you know, because it was always the one that whenever that move happens, yeah. Celtic are going to get this potential windfall, but. You know, any player moving from our country to England and then onwards, you have to, you have that's the way you have to do your business. Just to jump back <coughs> ever so briefly, you touched on it there, Van Dijk, you're in and about the club and you're sort of hearing these things. Is the failure of Van Dijk to move to Liverpool and deny Celtic of potentially 8 million quid the reason why they didn't spend as much as they potentially should have? I think the short answer to that's no. Okay. But possibly... If they were waiting on that cash to come in and maybe had someone lined up, then that, that that's fine. <coughs> but then again, they would have to come out and say that. Mm. And if and if they did tell that to the supporters, it might appease them slightly. But then the supporters would ask, but why do we need that money when there's so much other money coming in? And you were prepared to shell out £8 million pounds for, for Roberts, who you eventually got on a loan deal. Mm. So if you're that £8 million was already there to begin with, why did they need the Van Dyke cash to to kind of uh, make make sure that they, they got in a defender? You know, it, it, it doesn't make any sense, but until someone comes out and clarifies that, then it's all going to be in suspended animation, isn't it? Everyone like yourself, all the Celtic squads are just going to wonder. Yeah, and, and, we're, and we're left wondering, but I've got to say, as a Celtic fan, overall, happy with the window, happy with who we brought in. Slight disappointment that we didn't bring in the defenders. But, you know, you can't always get absolutely everything. Well, I think a lot of the Celtic supporters are Manchester and Brendan, we trust them. Exactly. It. So, I, if you're a Celtic supporter, you, you trust the manager implicitly. As I say, <coughs> maybe find out the answer to that the 28th of September after they've played Anderlecht away. We will. And uh, that's all from us. You can get in touch with me. I'm on Twitter at 20 Minute Tims, is, is my username. Tony, are you on Twitter? Uh, yes, I am. I'm. I'm you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Audio Boom. If you subscribe, you get it as soon as it's out. Um, also, leave us a review, let us know how you think we're doing, and rate us on iTunes as well.
Thanks for listening.